Two Guys Talking Podcast. My name is Praveen. We got Brandon in the house. Episode five already. Uh, time flies when you're having a good time. We appreciate everyone listening. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find the Two Guys Talking Podcast there. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you. Episode five, Brandon, time flies, huh? Yeah, man. And, you know, this whole month flew by. Christmas is next or this weekend, I guess. Does it feel like Monday. Christmas yet to you? Are we still in that mode? No. Or no, yeah. No, not really. My wife did do some decorating, so that's helping a little bit. But yeah, we're starting to plan, you know, heading out for Nebraska to see her family. So as the plans kind of get closer, it's starting to feel like that. But yeah, it, it snuck up for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just, you know, when you're a go, go, go person, yeah, you kind of lose track of time. And Christmas, I mean, six days away from when we're recording this, Christmas is six days away, less than now. And I mean, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, my 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 fiance did a bunch of shopping today. We're both pretty behind. So, uh, you know, do I feel bad about it? No, because most of the time people don't know when you got the gifts. You know, we have a podcast, so then people are well aware because we're putting all our junk in the air. But most of the time, you don't know when people are shopping. So it's a very personal thing. I want to know, you know, from the people who are listening, is are we the only ones that feel this way? Or is Christmas just like a, a forgetful holiday this year? Because I, I feel like most people we're talking to also be feel the same way. And what's really put me behind the eight ball, man, is all the stuff you can get online now. I mean, that's something where, you know, when you kind of get the age of starting to buy Christmas presents and stuff, it's like, all right, well, I still need to make time to go to the store. But now, I mean, I could pull it up on Amazon and it could be here by Thursday anyway. So I think that's, as someone who's a procrastinator, that's, that's really tough for me to get that discipline. But no, I, I think you're right. I think amongst us all, it's just something everyone kind of waits the last minute. I think you hit it on the head there with the whole uh stream uh, i'm sorry not stream but uh delivery and online shopping aspect that has changed the game people don't go shopping anymore i mean even going to a restaurant these days the service i i gotta say has been subpar and i hope you know someone listening isn't that person you know it's just the 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 door dashing the amazoning it has changed the game uh with how people just do life. And I think that might be a big reason because everyone's just kind of like, well, I got prime and it'll show up in two days. Uh, but not everything shows up in two days, people. So that's one thing that I think people lose track of, but that's changed the game Learn from it. I mean, black Friday, people don't go out anymore. There's no lines outside of Walmart or best buy anymore. It's all just like, it just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, that, we're in a different time now. People don't, aren't living the way we, we used to movie theaters. You know, people don't go out to the movies as much anymore. Um, it, it's, it's changed the game, but here we are a week, less than a week away from Christmas. And, uh, whether we like it or not, Christmas is going to come. So how long, uh, how long is the drive to Scott, Scott's bluff for you? Um, from our house, it's only about three hours. So that's easy. real easy. That's an easy drive. Hopefully the weather's nicer for you this time around and you don't get stuck with hail damage. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping no tornadoes, no crazy weather. From what, what it looks like, we might get some snow Christmas Eve, which will already be there, and then we'll drive back Christmas Day. So hopefully no issues. But yeah, the for those who don't know, we were last time we were in Scott's Bluff, um, big tornado thunderstorm rolled by, ended up with like $16,000 worth of hail damage on the truck. So that was a little bit of a headache. 
Yeah, man, I can't imagine, you know, just for a quick day, uh, you know, a day turnaround, what are the odds that you get stuck with with tornado, hail damage? And it's funny because when my only time to Lincoln, Nebraska for a football game was an overnight drive Friday night. The game's on Saturday morning. We drive through the night. Same thing. It just complete hail, tornado, thunderstorm. I had to stop the car for a minute. Uh, everyone's in the car, sitting there silent. You know it's a problem when everyone turns down the volume and everyone's just sitting there silent. You got four dudes in the car and no one's saying a word because we're like, is a hail going to just bust through this windshield and ruin our lives forever? But, yeah, you know, something about driving driving through that Colorado-Nebraska border, it's something in the... Something in the weather is weird. And, you know, I heard something the other day is that why don't we hear about tornadoes in Europe? There's something about our landscape. Do you ever hear about a tornado in Europe, Brandon? You ever heard about that? Never. I don't think I've heard of anything besides, like, some rain and snow there. Yeah, like, hail. Never heard of hail either in Europe. Is that a thing? No. It's just not a thing. And here we are dealing with thunderstorms, hail, tornadoes. I mean, snowstorms, what have you, avalanches, and th- these places aren't having those kinds of things. And I, I, it's something with the with the with the land that we live on, and it's just a very you know it's different uh, than than when you go to Germany or, for instance, or, or London, whatever. But you know, we really have it really have it tough with the weather patterns here in the Midwest. I would have to say. Yeah, I agree. We get and it happens so fast, like you said, it just rolls up on you. You'll be thinking it's a really nice afternoon, and then by five thirty in the evening, your tree's gone. You 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 start off a day. It's like seventy five degrees. It's a beautiful day, and then it's like three, four, five o'clock, and then literally the craziest storm of your life will pull in. And God forbid that you're on the road doing something like that, because I seem to always be on the road driving right into the darkest cloud. And I'm like, what is? Why? Why can't I just be home? I just want to be home. But then living on the third floor of an apartment complex. You really feel it, you know, when it comes to like the the, the shaking uh, of a, of a, of of the wind, and you really feel like it feels like the thunder's a little louder because you're closer to the sky, and it's just uh, it's it's a problem. So uh, you know the weather weather. You know, I I think we've been lucky so far in the winter, and uh, I'm I'm a little nervous about how the spring's going to be out here. Yeah, I feel like that's always a trade off when you get that really dry, mild winter. Spring is just crazy with the amount of snowstorms. And then that's always tough in the spring because it's always that seems like it's that really wet, heavy snow to where it just causes more issues, whether it's tree lines, electrical lines, whatever, but even just kind of trying to travel. It's always an issue. Speaking of dry and mild, the Broncos played a pretty dry and mild game last weekend, but we're not going to start there. We're going to get to the Broncos. We're going to start. We had some, we, we started our own little pickums last week, and we ended the weekend three, two, and one. So we ended positive. The last two games of, of, the, of the schedule kind of bugged us, and we'll get into that. We're going to start there, the last game of the week Monday Night Football, Seattle Seahawks versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Very fresh on our brains, and what an incredible football game that was. Uh, the Eagles starting Jalen Hurts, not feeling 100% still don't want to go with Marcus Mariota. So some people are still bought into this Marcus Mariota thing. Clearly, he's not the guy when Jalen Hurts is just not feeling well at all. They're still going to go with Jalen Hurts. And that says something about the Seahawks, that Geno Smith was probably good to go. He was listed as active, and Pete Carroll still went with the backup, Drew Locke. So it says a lot about Marcus Mariota, but Jalen Hurts plays the game. They start off 10-0, uh, get up halftime. I believe the score was 10-3. to uh, They go, They... 
the Seahawks come out in the second half. I mean, they they just do what the Seahawks do, right? I mean, with or without Russell Wilson, they look like garbage the first three quarters of the game, and then they end up somehow winning. And I said this to you off air multiple times, Brandon, but Drew Locke and Geno Smith are not that far off of quarterbacks. You know, if you're talking about a QB battle, I think Geno Smith won that by like a hair, you know, and 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 maybe it's because he has the more ability, better ability to run the football. Nonetheless. An incredible comeback for Seattle. Seattle owns Philadelphia. They 8-0 all time against the Philadelphia Eagles, whether it's at home or on the road. The last time they played was in the playoffs. And the time before that, I think we were at that game. And the Seahawks just, they they, they do what they do. And Drew Locke, got to commend him. Troy Aikman on the broadcast right before that final drive was like, hey, man, this is your this is your career right here. You know, you better, you, this, is, this is your chance. You either are just going to be a guy or... People are now, someone might pay Drew Locke, and who would have thought that would have happened after all this time? The emotions after the game, love to see it from a guy like that. As a Seahawks fan, did I think the Seahawks would pull that game off? Absolutely not. Uh, Brandon, you didn't feel good about it, but you took the Eagles minus four. It didn't hit. The game, I mean, it definitely didn't turn out how anyone expected. I mean, if you're sitting there saying the Seahawks are going to come out and win that game on a last-second drive, you know, what a crazy throw. couple two or three crazy throwing catches on that drive. One when D- uh, DK somehow pulls it, pulls an interception away from a guy, and then he pulls in a deep fade fade route with two defenders on him, and then you have Jackson, Smith, and Jigba somehow pulling it in. You don't. Th- those are just wild plays to happen on one drive, especially when you have Drew Locke as your quarterback. Uh, your thoughts, your thoughts as as that game kind of transpired. Yeah, I think the Eagles are in trouble, man. I mean, that secondary, that defense, they don't look good at all. And, you know, the reason I was kind of leaning more on the Eagles with the minus four there is I, I kind of thought this would be maybe, you know, similar to what the Lions did with the Broncos, but kind of like a get-right opportunity. And obviously there's a difference of Detroit being at home and Philly having to go all the way to Seattle. So I understand that that plays a little bit of a role, but you had the extra day banning it on Monday night and, I was I just don't understand this Eagles team and they haven't really looked like the Eagles from last year even the beginning of this year for a handful of weeks now and if I'm an Eagles fan I'm I'm worried I mean I don't think they're you know a shoe in to to win in the first round I mean obviously it's going to depend on a matchup but it's just one of those things where it's like they just haven't looked good at all Jalen yet maybe didn't have his best game. How much of that was him not feeling well? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because, you know, he's kind of shown that he can ball out when he needs to. But, um, but yeah, and then, you know, Drew Locke, he he made the enough throws that he needed to make. And, you know, even when he was here in Denver, like he had a couple of those games against the Chargers and things like that where, you know, he can kind of put a drive or two together when he needs to. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting on the Seattle side. Do you go back to Geno now? I don't think they really have any sort of, you know, crazy alliance to either guy. I mean, Gino was the one that got paid, but um, I'm assuming he was going to be the start of the rest of the way. But yeah, for Drew, you kind of need that that film and that tape to now if there is a team that kind of wants to take a flyer on you, maybe have you be a bridge guy, you know, for them to bring up a rookie quarterback or waiting to draft a quarterback. I could see him that. I don't think he's a still a full-time starter in the NFL. I just don't think he has the consistency and I think the decision making still a little bit off with him, but um, like I said, yeah, he made the plays he needed to make, and you know I have no problem with how 
passionate and how emotional he was after it because I can only imagine you you get brought into Denver. You're supposed to be the guy. We turned on him quick, and you know he was not a very liked guy in town at that point. And then you know you have to sit on the bench behind Gino. Don't really get an opportunity, and then you have your time now to shine, and he did it. So good for him. But yeah, if you're the Eagles, you're in trouble, man. Yeah, I just like the fact that Drew Locke, you know, when Geno Smith did, we've, we've, we've talked about this off air multiple times. So to you, it's, it's a broken record, but we, we, we see Geno Smith. He took him to the playoffs last, last season. He broke Russell Wilson's records. Just an unbelievable season by Geno Smith. I think the, the chip was a boulder on his shoulder last season and he really showed it. I like the fact that Drew Locke takes chances. I like the fact that Drew Locke takes shots downfield. I like any quarterback that takes shots downfield. I love a good first down fade route, which I saw a couple times, and he did overthrow it, and that's what sets him apart from you know the superstar quarterbacks and the top-tier quarterbacks in the league. But like you said, he made the throws that he has to throw. Looking at the Eagles, you know, looking at their schedule, and I kind of remember, you know, you 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 forget you know the beginning of the season sometimes without looking at it because it's just like there's so many games and so much that happens. They started off the season beating the Patriots by five points. The Patriots are absolute trash. They barely beat the Vikings. Even with Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are, I think, a mid-grade NFC team, and the Philadelphia Eagles are supposed to be a top-notch team. They only scored 25 points against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are playing well right now, but still. The Commanders game at home kind of was the one that I remember looking back being like, the Eagles might be in a little bit of trouble. And then they lost to the Jets. They lost to the Jets in New York. So you look at some of these games. They did beat the Dolphins. Great job. They only beat the Commanders on the road by a touchdown. They beat the Cowboys at home. They beat the Chiefs. There are some big games in there, which a good team is supposed to do. I think the Buffalo Bills are overrated. We're about to get into that game in a second, uh, even though I'm going to eat my words. But then you look at the last three games, and I think it's definitely said a lot more about how they're playing. I don't know if this team, you know, I did think that they would be a team that can't come back I think they have the tenacity to come back I think they have the leadership to come back I think they have all that but do they have the ability on the field to do so it doesn't look like it uh if I'm an Eagles fan I'm, I'm a little nervous now the schedule is in your favor finishing out the season if you're an Eagles guy Giants Cardinals and the Giants so that kind of works out for you on the opposite side looking at the Seahawks they have a favorable schedule uh finishing off the season as well um they kind of finish off with the Titans, the Steelers, and the Cardinals. So if you're looking at a Seahawks team, those are three winnable games, and you look at some of the other opponents that Minnesota are tied with Minnesota. Minnesota's got Detroit twice in their last two games, and the L.A. Rams, um, they have a kind of a tough tough schedule too to where I don't see them necessarily having, a, having an opportunity to win out um, playing the Saints. Saints will be a tough game. The Giants, they should win. But then at the 49ers, depends on how how much the 49ers are playing that game. So the Seahawks have a chance to kind of uh, own their destiny and kind of own the way they go. But nonetheless, unfortunately, that was a loss for the for the two guys talking podcast. Uh, Eagles minus four did not hit. We'll go to my next pick, Cowboys-Bills. Man, the Cowboys are just a different team on the road. And it's funny how quick that the Dak Prescott slander comes when they play on the road. Uh, J- Josh Allen did absolutely nothing. And the Buffalo Bills absolutely ran through the Cowboys. James Cook having a career game, getting interviewed by Aaron Andrews after the game, not knowing what the heck to say because he should not be in front of the mic because that was surprising as heck. So the the Bills coming through at home, really dominating. It's a tough place to play. Uh, didn't expect the Cowboys to lay an egg. There were a couple plays there that they should have executed, and they just kind of it just kind of fell through the hands. Uh, 
but, you know, start to finish, the Bills absolutely crushed them. I had the Cowboys' money line. You know, a lot of people were really heavy on the Bills because of how different the Cowboys are on the road. Now, looking future for the Cowboys, I, they'll probably host a game. Now, if the Cowboys have to host a game against the Seahawks at home, that game during the season was one of the best games of the season. The Seahawks will have a chip on their shoulder coming back to Dallas. That might be an issue for Dallas. Now, if Seattle has to go and play a Detroit, that's a problem for Seattle. So the Cowboys shouldn't be too comfortable if they have to end up having to play a Seattle team coming to Dallas because it's the second time that they'll be playing them. And, you know, the, the, that first game was a heck of a game. It was a shootout, and anyone could have won that game. But the Cowboys on the road is a problem. That's going to be an issue if they're not the number one seed. I still don't think that they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I thought they'd be play better against the Bills. Yeah, was that not just a classic Cowboys trap? Of Sick. Put in, put in a couple of good wins. Everyone's feeling them, and then they just absolutely fall flat on their face. Um, yeah, I think, you know, on the road, in the weather, all those things are, you know, something that they may not have to run into you know, throughout the playoffs. So you're maybe telling yourself that as a Cowboys fan to make yourself feel a little bit better. But yeah, that's just something right. That game looked just so bad from the Cowboys and Dak didn't look good at all. The offense couldn't do anything. Defense couldn't really stop James Cook. So it's and it, and on the other side, the Bills. Exactly. And on the other side, the Bills, you know, I think that's a feel good game for them. But I think, you know, it's probably encouraging that Josh Allen didn't have to be lights out for you to win in that fashion. I mean, that's something that Buffalo's problem has been the last couple of years is if, you know, they go as far as Josh goes and to have a game like that, where it's a little bit more of a complete game, Josh was able to just kind of sit back there and make a couple plays and, and away you go. But yeah, I think, you know, I was, I think I'm always kind of bought in from the Cowboys for the regular season standpoint with how Dak and that offense has been with McCarthy the last couple of years. And, Nothing has changed. I still think they're going to find a way to choke it away in the playoffs like they always do, whether it's the Seahawks, if they you know, if they get the Packers the first round. Packers always seem to have the Cowboys number. That got a little bit more unrealistic now that the Packers lost and you know they have their own challenge to even get in. But, yeah, I, I think from the Cowboys, you know, we've, we say it year in, year out. It's like it, we're over the, the big wins and the stats in the regular season, like show, show me something in the playoffs. And that point, until they do it, I'm going to keep on not believing in them. A hundred percent. You know, the Cowboys just got to prove it. Yeah. They got, they got me in a trap. Uh, when, when, you know, got me in a trap and got, hopefully you didn't tell me and hopefully you thought I was an idiot when I said it, but either way, uh, the Cowboys lose that one. And, uh, you know, next game for the Cowboys, uh, should be, should be a turnaround game for them. They end up playing, um, no, excuse me. They go and play at the Dolphins. So doesn't help anything on Christmas Eve that they got to go to Miami uh, and then they play the Lions. So the Cowboys got a couple big games coming up to really test them before the playoffs. Again, I, they're not a Super Bowl team to me. I don't think they'll make it to the Super Bowl. I don't even see them making it to the conference championship. I still think Philadelphia is a better team than Dallas when it comes down to it. When the pressure's on, can Dallas step up and win a game? And that's the thing, right, is when you have pressure on your back and everyone's expecting you to win and you're honestly supposed to win, 
and you, they they just never come through. So um, next game that we so that puts us at zero and two if we're going backwards. And this is where we started turning things around. We actually started very strong coming uh, coming into the weekend. But the morning game on Sunday, the Kansas City game, we 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 hit that pretty hard. Minus seven and a half, the Chiefs that hit over thirty seven that hit. We smashed that game pretty easily. Kansas City coming out, they didn't look very good though. They they did it in a very ugly fashion. Uh, but nonetheless, that's how bad the the. The New England Patriots are. If you got the Chiefs at the lot when the line closed, it was ten and a half, and that kneel at the end of the game on fourth down really hurt you. But if you listen to the podcast early on and caught the line at seven and a half, you hit that pretty easily. The Chiefs just, you know, that that was a, that was a pretty easy feel from both of us, and uh, I think we pretty much hit that on the on the head. Even though Travis Kelsey doesn't score a touchdown and the Chiefs didn't look like look that good. And Kadarius Tony had another drop turn into an interception. He did this in the he's done it since Pro Day. He's done it since the Combine. He's done it since coming to the league. He's been traded. What are we doing? What is the deal with Kadarius Tony? Regardless, that dude is 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 honestly hurting the Chiefs in more ways than they can even count. I can only imagine. But the Chiefs cover the overhits. Yeah, there wasn't a lot to that game. I mean, the Patriots are that bad. And and for Tony, I don't know how that guy continues to stay on the field. I'm sure they feel whoever's behind him is, you know, not in the upgrade. But, I mean, he's he's due to have a big drop in a postseason game this year, right? Like, and it's going to be one of those things where it's like the writing's on the wall. But if they want to ride him out as someone who hates the Chiefs, more power to you. Yeah, I mean... I'm good with that. Kadarius Tony having another drop. Oh, well. Uh, not my team. Next game was the Broncos game on Saturday night. Dry and mild from the get-go. Nothing from the Broncos. Just not looking like they can even compete with a team um, from Detroit. And Detroit being a letdown, you have, I think, Jared Goff through for five, four or five touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs having a game. Um but I think there's more to it than that. I, you know, I, the, the, you won that bet. I kind of felt the Broncos would cover, play a little bit better. You took the Lions minus four. That hit and the over hit as well. Um, but you know, besides the fact that the Broncos got kind of beat up and down the field, I think the storyline. There's a couple storylines here. One, we continue to emphasize this offensive offsides call, and that ended up fluctuating the game. And the other storyline had to do on the same drive, Sean Payton not doing things that you expect a head coach to do. And then also, I have never seen a head coach lay into a quarterback on the sideline in front of cameras like he did Russell Wilson. Regardless of the fact that it's Russell Wilson, I have never seen a head coach do that to a, a a quarterback, let alone we've seen it happen to players, not necessarily a quarterback, the quarterback. He kind of brushed it off as it's none of your business, and he was more frustrated in the in the play and whatnot. First of all, you know the two plays that have they've called offensive offsides that has affected you know a a, a game. They had nothing to do with the tush push. So I know they're trying to help the tush push. Both of those plays, the Chiefs play and this Broncos play, neither of them were tush push plays. They did call a penalty on a tush push against the Eagles on Monday night, but that's why they're calling it. So that's one thing. Is it his body? Is it his hand? Is it his head being offsides? What's the call here? It's 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 a little much, in my opinion. I know that it's the rule and it needs to be called. It's a little much. On the other hand, 
it seemed like Sean Payton threw in the white flag by not calling those, uh, not challenging those plays and not even giving an opportunity. Um, and then almost looking like he's blaming the quarterback, which I don't know what Russell Wilson could have done differently. And we'll never know because Sean Payton really didn't say what, what the issue was with Russ. But, I, you know, it's kind of a cop-out move by Sean Payton, in my opinion. I didn't really like it. Would have liked to see a challenge. Wouldn't have liked. I didn't want to see that offsides penalty called. It, it, it just was. It was just a cluster. I mean, the game just got more and more of a cluster. And then in that situation, it seemed like Sean Payton threw in the white flag and said, "We're good. You guys won. Leave us alone." Yeah, I mean, you know, even the fact that the penalty backed them up, but still, I mean, picking the field goal to make it a three-score game when it was a three-score game. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's one of those things where um, maybe, yes, maybe Sean just kind of understood how this game was going to go and, and out of, you know, maybe in his weird coaching mind, that's him sending a message to the team too. It's like, coach, come on, like we need this touchdown. It's like, well, you guys can't go get it. So, you know, I'm just kicking the field goal and taking my points. But, you know, as far as him getting into Russ, I agree. I think that's something that's rare that we see a starter really get drilled into that much on the sideline um, pause. But um, other than that, it was one of those things where it's like rust there. I think there's two different things that kind of go through my, my mind there. One is Russ hasn't done anything for the Denver Broncos. Yes. He had his career in Seattle, but since he's got to Denver, he has not been the franchise elite level quarterback so that's one thing is like russ you haven't done anything for us so cool you got your one super bowl guess what you walloped us so i don't really care about your one super bowl and then two i think it's clear and there's been multiple times throughout this season he hasn't done anything for sean payton and sean payton's clearly not convinced about russell wilson i think he's they've you know during that win streak i think they kind of found a little bit of things to work on or you know kind of build off of you know, and then you have the defense just forcing turnovers left and right, which obviously helps in any sort of matter. But um, I think it just continues to go to show that Sean is not all in on Russ. I don't really know if he should be. I mean, again, if we if we cut ties with Russ, where do we go from there? So there's that conversation. But, you know, from a fan's perspective, I don't really have a strong feeling about it one way or another because it's like Russ you you don't you haven't played well with us these last two years and yeah you, you string together a couple little plays or drives couple games whatever but you know we brought you in to to get into the playoffs and this was a big game for that playoff run and I still think the Broncos can win out finish at 10 and 7 I don't know if that'll get us into the playoffs if we do get into the playoffs I don't really see it going anywhere but um but yeah I mean in those two those two plays before that where it looked least close enough to throw the challenge flag and give the refs another look. I mean, from the couple of replays that they showed on the broadcast, I think you could make an argument that, you know, that they probably could have been touchdowns. And again, I, I'm at that same point of like, do your timeouts really matter when you're down that much? Like let's more focus on getting points. And then if you get the ball back late in the game and you're without a timeout, well, you're only without a timeout because you got seven points there. So I don't know. I I go back and forth on that. But yeah, I don't think Sean did a great job managing those situations. I know it's not just the head coach. He's getting word from a bunch of different guys from upstairs and kind of saying, hey, is it worth taking a look? Not. But uh, but yeah, I, I kind of saw this game coming more so from the Lions side. 
They've looked bad. Big game at home for them. Dan Campbell's history with Sean Payton, you know, I think that gives a guy like that some extra motivation to where he wants to go prove a point. The Lions want to prove a point that, you know, they're not total frauds. And so it it was something where I, I kind of had that blowout coming. I thought it'd be a little bit more just with how bad the Lions defense looked. I thought it'd be a little bit more of a shootout to where maybe then the Lions pull away and win by 20 or something. But um, the Broncos just struggled to move the ball the whole game. And yeah, like I said, I think I think it's going to be tough to get in at 10 and 7. So that might have just done it for, for the season. You know, they said, it, I saw something that if the Broncos win out, they have an 80 chance, 80% chance, eighty chance of making the playoffs if they win out. So I don't know where that where the, where that source is, but I saw it over social media throughout the day, you know, from those Bronco fans that are still still believing that something's going to happen. Uh, that, Was that today? Yeah, or I saw that before today. Before the weekend. Okay. I I saw also, today. like, everyone, we got no help this weekend. Everyone that needed to lose won, and the only team that lost is because the Steelers and the Colts played each other, so someone had to lose. But... We got absolutely no help. I mean, the Texans ended up finding a way without C.J. Stroud, and it's just like that was pretty much worst case, literally worst case scenario for for the Broncos. So we'll see. Again, yeah, maybe maybe ten and seven does get in there. I don't know, you know, all the different tiebreakers or all the teams ahead of us. I don't have their schedule memorized, but it, it's at this point we need a lot of help. And I think that's that's kind of what they're going off of is based on some of the other matchups, seeing if teams are going to you know, probably their likelihood of winning their games. Uh, if the Broncos end up winning out, it gives them a, an 80% chance. Now, are the Broncos going to do that? I don't know. Um, and two things I want to add. One, I will say this. Russell Wilson is not the same Russell Wilson. But then I also wonder, is he the same Russell Wilson? And it's just the kind of surrounding cast. The defense looked like the defense of the first half of the season against the Detroit Lions. And th they had a few They had a few games where they kind of figured it out. Alex Singleton stepping up. I mean, he's leading the team in tackles, um, I believe. I'm looking at last year. Uh, yeah, he's leading the league in team in tackles again this year. Justin Simmons leading the team in interceptions. But, you know, when it comes to that zone defense and leaving so many guys wide open and just missed tackles, you know, is Russell really the problem? Looking at last year, he threw 16 to 11 touchdown pick ratio. He's he's 3 to 1 this year, 24 and 8. Uh 60% completion percentage last year up to 66%. I don't think he's the guy for Sean Payton. Now, my question to you is this, Brandon, what happens if they don't make the playoffs? Is Russell gone? Is Sean Payton someone you look at and put him in the hot seat? I, I don't know where it goes because there was this one in five feeling of, okay, Russell's for sure gone. Now you kind of made a made a jump back. You're still in the playoff hunt. What happens if they don't make the playoffs again this year? Do you blow it up? Do you keep Russell because of that contract? Do you fix the defense? Is is Vance Joseph the problem? What happens in the offseason if the Broncos don't make it? Because personally, after that loss and all the help that did not happen from the rest of the league for the Broncos, I don't know how much of a chance they really have. So I'm leaning towards an eight and nine finish and even nine and eight. And I don't think that comes in, it may, gets them into the playoffs. What happens? Yeah, I mean, I think if it comes down to Russ or Sean Payton, right? Sean's going to be the one that's staying just because the length of his contract, it's been one year. And at that point, you know, I think you've seen that maybe the thought of building a Super Bowl team around Russ, maybe you still can do it, but it's not something where we're just a couple pieces away. So it's, 
um, you know, at that point, it's probably easier to move on from Russ and the contract. I've seen a bunch of different reports of how, you know, the Broncos could release him next year in a way where the cap hit is not as big as it's been. Um, as it gets later in his deal, the cap hits a little bit smaller. So there is a potential for that. Um, and I'm not saying Russ is the number one problem. My whole point of Russ is you're not the problem right now. You're not really a solution in the fact that, you know, you're finding, you're making up for kind of the, you know, the downsides or the disadvantages of the team. And so at that point, it's like, we have no, we have no alliance to Russ other than all that money, which is a lot of alliance, I guess, in theory, but you know, we have no like, Hey, you know, we've been through a lot with them. He's done this. Let's try to give him another year. It's like, no, if it's not working, let's move on. I mean, at that point, let's cut our ties. If we take a cap hit, that's on you as the, the team and ownership and management. It's like, Hey, we, we took a chance. It didn't work just like we've done for the last seven years. Right. Um, but no, I, I, I think there's a way to where it's like, I don't think Russ is the number one problem, but he's definitely not a solution. And at this point you need a solution at quarterback. I just want to see more downfield action from the Broncos offense. When I'm looking at the the league leaders, Geno Smith is still leading Russell Wilson in passing yards with two less games in hand. So it's like, you know, the, the throwing the ball down the field is just not the same as what we're seeing from when Russell was in Seattle with some of, some of the long shots and some of the quick, quick, deep passes. You know, he was considered for some time there the best long pass thrower in the league. I mean, the guy would drop dimes and drop buckets into, into these into these guys' arms on on go routes and um, you know, just not seeing that as much. I, again, he has one wide wide receiver. He has one. He has one that's worth a damn. And that one is pretty dang good. But outside of that, it's 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 regular dudes. I just, you know, I think Jerry Judy's looking for his one opportunity to win a game so he can shout back at Steve Smith. But I'm like, I, Jerry Judy's not the guy. Marvin Mims, uh, you know, he, Marvin Mims, I think he's the punt returner. He's doing a good job punt returning, but he's not a receiver. I, I just He's more of a gadget guy. You know, yeah, he's a gadget guy. Get him on a jet sweep or something and let him use his speed and space. But yeah, that's not someone where, okay, we need this first down. <laughs> Marvin Mims. Mims out wide. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's not the guy. But, I'll say this. So there's Here's a hot take. Little Jordan Humphrey. I'll take him over Jerry Judy. He had a good game. He had a good game. Yeah, and it's and that's you know we talk about money being wrapped up. The other part is our receiving room is one of the top earners in in the league, and Tim Patrick. I don't know. I don't know if that guy's ever going to be able to be anything remotely close. Yeah. I, like when he had his when he had his second knee injury this year, it's like does that guy just hang it up? Like, does he just kind of view that as like, Hey, this, my knees are, my body's not in it anymore. So I don't know. And that's a bummer. It's being that young of a guy. And he was talented. And, you know, I think there was for a time there, it's like, Hey, we might have something special here with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton on each side. And the Broncos felt that same way. Cause they both gave him big contracts. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the off season, we'll have plenty of time to kind of talk through what, what's the fix. But um, yeah, one of those games where, I had not gotten that amped up for a, a mid to late December game in so long. And then just for the Broncos to just completely wet the bed. It was just a bummer. I used to wet the bed till I was like 12 years old, Brandon. Tell you what. Hey, no, no judgment, buddy. Hey, my dad did too. So it runs in the family. So we're good. We're good. <laughs> but, you know, 
I, last thing I'll say about this, I think the NFL and what I'm noticing is you low key you got to have a tight end. You got to have a tight end. The the most successful teams in the NFL have g- strong tight ends and they have a strong tight end core. Uh, look at the Saints. They're successful because Jimmy Graham somehow has scored touchdowns in the last three games for the New Orleans Saints. And he has, I think, eight catches on the season and four of them are touchdowns. You need a tight Look at some of the best teams. Even Mark Andrews being out, the Ravens are still utilizing their tight ends. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Some of the best. Look, look at the San Francisco 49ers. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Jake Ferguson. Dallas Goddard. Um, George Kittle. Travis Kelsey. You have all these guys. You got to have a tight end. When the Broncos were good, when they went last went to the Super Bowl, who was the tight end? Julius Thomas. And that guy was probably the best tight end in the league at the time. And you ha- I think so- what's what's getting lost here, I would say if I'm going after someone in the draft, if I'm going someone in free agency, I'm going after a tight end that I can rely on because tight ends are almost the most versatile position on offense, being able to block, being able to go downfield, catch a pass, being a big body to where it's a tough matchup. And Adam Troutman isn't really that guy. And, you know, Dolchich and Cruel, some of these guys that you barely heard of, man hurts. And they're just not the guys that are, that are going to make a difference for you. Um, when you look at that, you know, if you're looking at Russell Wilson specifically in his offenses, he found ways to use Luke Luke Wilson. Jimmy Graham was a big addition when he was playing in Seattle during his time there. They had they had guys tight ends to kind of work it, and the Broncos are kind of lacking that on the offensive side. So, um, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes for the Denver Broncos. It's been a lot better than last season, and I think that's what people are kind of getting lost in the shuffle, kind of like CU a little bit. Is yes, it was a disappointing end of the season, but you going from one wins to four wins. Um, you know, the Broncos went from I've, I, you know I think three or four wins last season. They're already at seven. So. You know, I know the expectation is higher for a team that's won three Super Bowls in their franchise. I, I totally understand that. I, I get the it's it's almost Super Bowl a bust for a lot of people. Uh, but you, you know, compared to with how they've been playing since they've won the Super Bowl, this is kind of the trajectory you, you you're wanting to see. The new ownership, you know, they're they're putting money into it to kind of make the team more exciting and and more uh, appealing from maybe a free agent standpoint and from a fan standpoint. The scoreboard, I haven't been to see the new scoreboard yet, but those kinds of things make a difference. When you put in new grass every year, those kinds of things make a difference um, in the long term. Short term, you're not going to get much out of it long term. I don't know if Russell Wilson is a Bronco quarterback next year, but we'll see how that goes. Last game that we bet on was the Cincinnati Bengals game, and I told you. I had Bengals minus two and a half. Jake Browning is him. I'm telling you, Jake Browning balling out like Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke watched that Jake Browning game. He's like, you know what? I want to be like Jake Browning. And maybe Jake Browning's watching Monday night saying, you know what? I want to be like Drew Locke. Because these guys, awkward white dudes, they're balling out. I love to see it. Jake Browning doing his thing. You know, Nick Mullins going out there making throws on himself, and it's pretty much anything you can do, I can do better. Backup quarterbacks um, are the new kind of thing in uh, NFL these days, and we're seeing them left and right, but the Bengals kind of pull that off. Um, you know, some crazy plays in that game, a great game to kind of lead off the week, and a huge game for Cincinnati for their playoff hopes. But Jake Browning keeps Jake Browning, and you, you know, you gotta love what, what you're seeing from Cincinnati. And not only that, T. Higgins hearing the noise and finally making honestly, you could say the catch of the year. Uh, to to put them ahead or to tie the game uh, late in in Cincinnati. What what a great thing that we're seeing from Cincinnati with Joe Burrow coming down uh, and and kind of almost putting the season to rest. 
Uh, I said this off air. You scoffed at me. When does getting rid of Joe Burrow become a thing? Because I look at a guy who gets hurt. You get hurt once, fine. But you get hurt a second time for a long period of time. It worries me. And it worries me for your future because then you become a, a Mr. Glass and you become a perennial injury guy. If he if he's not injured and it's not going to happen again, yes, Joe Burrow is the guy. But when do you kind of maybe, you know, take his high worth right now and be like, all right, well, maybe we ride with Jake Browning. Okay, so let me, because I still think that's just such a, an awful, <laughs> awful take. So, all right. The league announces a new rule before next offseason. We're doing an old-fashioned fantasy draft like you do on Madden. The Seahawks, the way the draft works out, their, you know, their available quarterback picks are Jake Browning, Joe Burrow, and Drew Locke. You're really telling me you're like, nah, I'm not going to take Joe Burrow. That's just so wrong. I'm you're not, lying to yourself. I'm not, I'm not saying I wouldn't take Joe Burrow, but the health thing worries me. These guys that get hurt, and then you put a bunch of money in a guy that gets hurt, and then you end up stuck with him, and then he doesn't play. I've, we've seen this so many times with guys. I'm just talking about the injury part of it. I'm not saying Jake Browning is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow, but he's doing right now he's doing similar numbers than what Joe Burrow is doing. Is it going to sustain? I don't know. But are you going to – you've already invested in Joe Burrow. Do you maybe – I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying, if he continues to get hurt, I don't want him on my team. There would be riots in the street. And I think one thing to mention, though, with his injuries, they are different. So you had the one year with the knee and then this one with the arm. So it's not like it's the same sure, I knee, yep. ankle type of thing. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I look at a team like the Bengals or it really all those AFC teams, the Browns, and it's like, how do they just keep finding ways to win? And the Broncos can't. No kidding. When, in theory, we have you know, the better quarterback option, you know, you could go down the roster and you could probably pick out some of those teams that are in better position than the Broncos. I get that. Cause it's, you know, the Bengals are a couple of years removed from being in the Super Bowl. They're constantly in the playoffs, AFC championship since Joe's been there. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy watching these teams just throw out backup quarterbacks and it's continuing to work. I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how they're doing it. And it's a little bit annoying because, again, this, I, I had the two and a half with you. I took a money line late in the game there. And then I still found myself like, come on, Vikings, like find a way to pull this out. I need the Bengals to lose. And the Bengals made enough plays. But, um, yeah, wild, crazy game. Nick Mullins would, you know, he had that like just wild, weird interception play where he just throws it to the guy right next to him sitting on the ground. Then he'll go down and lead the lead the team down for a touchdown and then do, you know, throw another interception. It's like, you know, just pure backup quarterback fashion is what that kind of game felt like. It's just like these guys are just out there playing backyard ball and whoever ends up with the most points at the end, we're just going to live with it. Yeah, I mean, look at Aiden O'Connell. Uh, balling out for the Raiders somehow. And then, you know, you have Easton Stick, though, on the other hand, uh, looking like garbage. But, you know, sh you know, shout out to the Chargers for finally doing something right and firing that coach. Uh, shouldn't have ever hired him in the first place, but fired the coach, fired the GM. Restart for L.A. Uh, for the Chargers. We'll see how that goes. Justin Herbert, you know, it kind of shows what he was able to get by with all this time. Uh, you know, I, maybe it makes him... Uh, look a little bit better than than people may have thought he was because maybe he wasn't the problem but either way a good solid week of nfl picks three two and one so if you bet with us last week uh you made made a little bit of coin so check out the next episode for our the, for our week 16 uh week 16 picks
should be an exciting weekend. I mean, we got some fun games on the slot this weekend, one being the Ravens and the 49ers potential Super Bowl matchup, uh, potential Super Bowl rematch. So a lot of fun stuff. But also, also big implications on the MVP race on that one, too. Absolutely. If Lamar, if Lamar goes out and balls out and Purdy maybe doesn't have a great day because right now Purdy's the favorite, the betting favorite. And so that one's got big implications. Yeah, no, Christian McCaffrey being the betting favorite is definitely smart. You know, yeah, you know, Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP favorite. Why are we? Why is Brock Purdy? I'm not I'm not buying into it. I don't care what anyone's gonna tell me. I'm not buying into Brock Purdy being 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 that guy to win an MVP. I mean, I'm sorry. Like I would I, I no. I'm just not 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 even entertaining that idea. And yeah, I hope Baltimore comes out and 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 wins that game. But at Brock Purdy as MVP, I mean, yeah, I just uh, no, no, I'm not doing. You it. don't, you don't, you don't buy into Brock Purdy, and you want to trade Joe Burrow. Correct. Two, Correct. Two takes of the day. Two takes of the day. I'm not buying into Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, I, I no, I'm not. Jake Browning deserves the MVP over Brock Purdy. Let me put it that way. All right, I'm gonna ask another question. If Jake Browning didn't go to UW and play for Washington, are you having this same take? I think it's just because we saw him live. You're a Washington fan, yeah, but I mean, he was a stud there. The guy is balling out. I mean, look at I'll say Aiden O'Connell is balling out. I mean, shoot, Aiden O'Connell and O'Connell is actually looking pretty good. I don't know these backup quarterbacks are making a name for themselves, and I'm all for it. He, this is coming from a guy who had Matt Flynn signed to a 150 million dollar contract and chose to go with Russell Wilson, and it worked out. So you just never know what's going to happen. And people forget about that. People forget Seattle signed Matt Flynn to a lot of money. Drafted Russell Wilson in the third round, and Pete Carroll was like, you know what? I'm going with the third rounder. And people were saying the same dang crap, and then year two, he won the Super Bowl. Now, that's never happened again. It's never happened again. Who knows if it will happen again, but someone's got to believe. And, yeah, no, he went to Washington. I love to see it. I'm going to root on the guy. Absolutely. No one ever cheers on a Washington guy. The Washington guys get no love. They don't have anyone to cheer for. Exactly. Now we do. Jake Browning, Michael Penix Jr. It's all up and up for the Huskies. Seattle Seahawks winning against the Eagles. You know, the Northwest is on a on a prime here. I love it. Not sure how it's going to turn out in the end, but, you know, Texas is a pretty dang good football team. Uh, we're going to move on here. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Brandon has, some, has a game for me. You know, I had a game for him, Hall of Fame or not. Uh, now Brandon has a game for me. Brandon, explain explain this game. So my creative juices got flowing, and so I, I put together a list of players. Um, mainly, looks like it's pretty well represented across the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Okay. Um, and so what I did is I just went and found guys that had really good stretches with multiple teams. So I tried to stay away from, like, the one-year wonder kind of thing where you know or or like a d wade situation you know sure. where he bounced around at the end of his career but so the game is called he was best with who okay so i'll i'll name you the player and then you tell me and and again some of these guys it was two teams some of them were you know three sure i tried to i try not to let it get too out of hand but um we're gonna have theme we'll music start- for this at some point theme music is on its way incoming Theme music is pending. Um, let's start with a guy who gets a lot of air on here, LeBron James. I knew, I knew who is he best? With? I know that was what you were going to start with. Miami Heat. I like that. Answer. Miami Heat is pretty. You know, people will say that Cleveland winning the championship, all that. You guys didn't watch LeBron James four years in Miami Heat. You, you just didn't watch it. And watch it without highlights. Watch games. Don't even watch the highlights. The highlights will do it justice. But watch the games. I lived through it hating the guy during that time. 
Miami Heat. He was the best one of the Heat. Matt Holiday. <laughs> Who is he best with? I think as a as a player, Rockies. I like that. As a player, Rockies. Again, people aren't going to know because nobody watches the Colorado Rockies. So, you know, and then his return in 2017, hitting the home run against St. Louis on nickname night. Uh, you know, that was a fun little moment. Matt Holiday, one of my favorite Rockies. But I, I think as a player, Rockies. You're two for two in my book, buddy. Um, let's go to Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. So Jaguars and Rams. That's kind of where my brain was thinking. Yep. Hmm. This is a tough one. Jalen Ramsey. Man, well, he is a ten tenacious cornerback. Uh, I just think of him in that one video where he's talking to the fan and he, he almost goes up. He goes into the he goes into the crowd and no yeah, one went a few steps up. Yeah. No one, no security, no yellow jacket, no nobody went up to him. Um, shoot, he took that team. Was he on that Super Bowl Rams team? I can't remember if he was on that Super Bowl Rams team. I want to lean towards the Rams. Um, mainly if he so was on that Jacksonville though. He was so good in Jacksonville. I know. I, it's, it's I mean, he was. That was when they almost beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship. I mean, that defense was ridiculous. They probably should have beaten the Patriots in the championship. Uh, that's a close call, but I, I don't know if he if. If he's on that Super Bowl Rams team, I'm going to give it to him on the Rams. If if they didn't, if he wasn't on that Super Bowl Rams team, Jaguars. I'm kind of giving the Super Bowl to him. All right, this one's just kind of a fun one. Uh, Ubaldo Jimenez. <laughs> the only no-hitter in Colorado history. We're going with the Rockies. I mean, he gave up the walk-off. You know, he was on good teams when he moved on. That's the funny thing about some of these guys that get traded. They get traded to good teams. But Ubaldo Jimenez made a bad team pretty legit. And so uh, he, as the only Rockies no-hitter of all time, even though he threw six walks, um, uh, it was in Atlanta. I'm going to go with the Rockies. Chris Paul. Hornets. So that one, there's that one's okay. I I was agreed too because I was say that one, there was a few different kind of routes you could go. But yeah, I I agree. I think. Hornets. I I just you look at again. He got traded to a, a a built team in the Clippers, and then got traded to a built team uh in the Suns. Right? He played for the Suns for a minute there. No, he's played for everybody. He played for. I, I just I feel like when he was with the Hornets, came into the league, young guy. I mean, it, watch again. Some of these youngins don't understand. Watch Chris Paul highlights when he came into the league. That dude was a baller. I, I think he was he was the best when he was with the Hornets. Kurt Warner. Wow. Wow. I mean, people forget how good he was when he played for that Arizona team. I mean, he was a stud. And you could say they should have won that Super Bowl. Say Antonio Holmes, Ben Roethlisberger taking it away with one of the best plays of Super Bowl history. Um, but that greatest show on turf was no joke. Fun to watch, but he had a little bit more weapons. I'm going to go on a limb and go with the Cardinals. All right. I think he had more weapons point. on the greatest show on turf. Yeah, I think hands down. For Marshall sure. I mean, Falk, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt. Right. Uh, you know, I, I just, yeah. All right. We'll end with this one. J.R. Smith. <laughs> oh, 
J.R. Swish, the the college golfer. Um, J.R. Smith. Man, first game I ever watched in the NBA was the Denver Nuggets. He had that dunk on the Spurs uh, for the end one at the end of the quarter. I'll never forget that. Uh, he was he was pretty pretty dang awesome in the, in the Knicks uni. Uh, Cleveland, I mean, my goodness, he was there for a minute with LeBron, but he also had the biggest blunder in NBA Finals history of all time. I mean, probably the biggest blunder in the Finals history. I mean, that, I don't know any other Finals play there's other playoff plays that we've seen but finals nba finals that might have been the biggest blunder of all time but man it's pretty close just across sports like let alone just nba i mean that's that's up there you get the offensive rebound and you don't know the score the only reason it doesn't trump the seattle seahawks play is because it wasn't a uh, winner take all game it was game one but if that's in like a game seven, you could put that up there of of, of worse than Russell Wilson's pick off the goal line because that's probably up in the top three blunders of of sports history. Uh, but I put Jr. that blunder there, I, dude. I don't know. You might not like this one. I'm going to lean with New York. No, I don't hate that pick because when I was putting this list together and I was just kind of going through it in my mind, it's like, man, I just keep leaning to anyone who played in Colorado. I'm just like, yep, that was their best year. So. No, that's a. I think that's a fine point, and I think you can make the argument. I mean, he was when they had Mello, Shumpert, and him. I mean, they were fun to watch. Yeah, I don't think that's that's that awful of a a take. Yeah, I I liked him there. You know, Denver. I mean, those were his days, but you know, he was still kind of finding his own. He became more of a guy. You know, we know him in Denver when he was younger during those days. Uh, but you know, you had Mello, you had Nene, you had Allen Iverson. I mean, kid, I just I just love. That's one of my favorite sports memories. To go off topic of all time is Allen Iverson as a Denver nugget. That's like one of my all time favorite sport moment memories. I remember the moment he was traded. I remember the first game he played coming off the bench. I remember even off that plane in the snow. They canceled the game. Oh, awesome. They had to cancel the game because of the snow. Yeah. He comes into Colorado in the middle of a snowstorm, you know, and that team was a 50 win team as the eight seed and got swept by the Lakers somehow in the first round. The West was unreal back then that team that's one of those what if teams people talk about the clippers you know the what if teams theirs and all that stuff uh uh-uh. uh the denver nuggets back when they had mellow jr chauncey ai whatever era that was whichever one guy was there those were some of the biggest what if teams of all time right well the nuggets were always a what if team and that was like why we felt so dang cursed and it was always us running into the lakers in the postseason and that's what made last year's run so special of getting that first ring because we finally got up, got the monkey off our back not only with the lakers but just finally not running into these weird i you know i want to say unlucky but at the end of the day like inbound a ball that has nothing to do with luck like just inbound a ball you know but that was Twice. something that was part of that run and being a nuggets fan you know you'd ask yourself it was, it's different from like the rockies right to where we'd ask ourselves like, Hey, are we ever going to win a world series? But it's because the Rockies are always such a mess. We're on the nugget side. It's like, we've, it seems like we've always had these teams that are so talented. I mean, you always go your ups and downs, but like there's been multiple teams that have been so good and we could just never get over the hump. And that's what made last year so much fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, and I think last point about Jr. is like when he was with the nuggets, he wasn't, you know, that grown up more 
I don't know if he was ever a tech, you know, quote unquote, well-rounded player. But when he was with the Nuggets, it was he was either going to give you twenty or zero, and that was it. You know, he wasn't contributing in any other way. It was he'd come off the bench, look for his shots. If they went in, great. If they didn't, then it is what it is. He's he's headed back to the bench. So, yeah, I that those teams were just so so freaking cool, man. And it's and I you know I always go back and forth too, even on the the mellow thing. I hate him. You know, everyone wants his jersey retired, which gets weird now with Jokic being 15. But you'll see clips of him, you know, going to Knicks games all the time, getting all that love. And there's like, why does he come to Denver to do that? It's like, one, because he doesn't, he made it clear. Like, he's over Denver. He was over us. And I don't feel bad about hating him. It's like, yeah, cool. Thanks. You made our franchise relevant again. You put us on the map. We had some good runs with you. But there was never that, like, feeling. You know, you talk about in, in part of this game. I could have mellow. Could have been on this game as well. Yeah. And a flip of that type of thing is like, do you consider Mello a nugget or do you consider Mello a Nick? And I think Mello would consider himself a Nick. A Laker. Where, yeah, gosh. Or Thunder yeah. or Rocket or Blazer. Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like Blazer would probably be his top three. He loved playing in Portland. <laughs> loved it. Like he talked about that all the time. And I mean, they gave him a chance when no one else really would. So I get there's that, that part sure. to it. But, um, you know, I'll Damn say it, this. A blast. I'll say this about the Nuggets last season since you brought it up. And I don't think I brought it up on air yet, but I've said this before and no one will say it. So I will. This is why I have these big takes is because sometimes they hit. Sometimes I know what I'm talking about. The Denver Nuggets team last year from start to finish was one of the most dominant NBA teams of all time. And I mean, with the 72 and 10 Bulls, the 2001 Lakers, the uh, even though they didn't win the championship, that 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 regular season championship team, the, the Warriors team. This was one of the most dominant start to finish NBA teams that no one will ever talk about. They were the best team from the start of the season. They dominated through the playoffs. I mean, if you told me that the the that LeBron James and Anthony Davis got swept in the playoffs one year, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. And that's how good the Nuggets were. Not only did they get over that hump, they got over the Phoenix Sun hump, which Phoenix thought they had their number, but what the heck is Phoenix won ever? So, I, you know, and, and look who ended up winning it before them. The Nuggets were the most dominant team of all time in 2022, 2023. One of the most dominant teams of all time. And I, if no one, no one's going to admit it because even on the the opening night graphic on on game one of the season, the Nuggets weren't even on there. So you know the the disrespect is there, but it's very clear that that team was absolutely dominant, and the what and each guy stepped up in their own moment. It wasn't just Jokic Yo, was the the key to it all and the, and the and the 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 heart of the beat, but Jamal Murray had his moments plenty of times. Michael Porter Jr. had his moments plenty of times. Aaron Gordon, they had do, they dominated that season and people just don't realize how good that team was they should be up there in the conversation of one of the best NBA team seasons of all time and people aren't going to agree and people in Denver might agree or maybe they'd be like oh yeah maybe but 100% and here you go again with Jokic this year going 26 12 and 9 averaging this season the guy's a walking triple double he's just it's it's unbelievable to watch him play basketball um if you don't think he's a top five player in the league you just you're just a hater at that point you're just a hater and you're not really watching basketball for what it is the NBA is hard to watch the NBA is a tough game to watch but it's guys like Nikola Jokic that make it fun to watch is because he plays basketball in a way that people should be wanting to play basketball whatever level you 
you're playing the game. So um, he would dominate on a, on a street ball court as much as he would dominate on the college court, as much as he dominates on the NBA court. His style of play fits anywhere, in my opinion. He's a LeBron James that can't jump. That's the only difference he has is he just doesn't have that athletic ability. And he can probably shoot better than LeBron can anyway. So it's just uh, that that was the most dominant team of all time. And I just, you know, I think I think the Denver Nuggets uh, don't get enough credit for that. So and I'm and look, I love the Nuggets. Yes, I do. But I'm I'm a Laker fan. So, you know, I'm not there's bias there. But, you know, that this is. This is something that I that I watched all four of those games, and I watched the whole playoffs. I watched I watched tons of Nuggets games, and it's on live t uh, when you go to the game, watch on TV. Nikola Jokic is why I'm watching those games, and then his supporting cast is legit. Michael Porter Jr. could be a one on any team. Jamal Murray could be a one on any team. Aaron Gordon maybe not, but he could be a t easy two on any other team. And so those are the guys that you have as your core. I mean, I don't know how you stop that team. And I can I can see that they're playing it a little smarter this season around. Don't don't get this 18 and 10 record twisted. They'll be right back there in the playoffs this season. They'll be right back there. Leading into that again, the Lakers did raise a banner. Uh, really pisses me off. Really makes it angry for me. Um, and then they act like they didn't really care about it when they're raising the banner. So I'm just like, I don't. It, it just it, it really annoys me uh, how how different this Lakers franchise is from when I was a kid and when things just were operated in a different different manner. You know, Jerry Buss is gone. Kobe Bryant's gone. This this team is it, it's it's just not the same um it's like the Yankees right George Steinbrenner's gone Derek Jeter's gone you just don't have those guys there anymore and and they just uh you know uh, they just they just aren't the same and so unbelievable they raised that banner didn't think they actually would heard heard different things about it but you know regardless the Lakers are going to Laker and as long as they have LeBron James on that team they're going to be a sideshow they're going to be Hollywood they're going to they're going to do that stuff and and then again they go and lose that night to the Knicks at home and they've done this before they they've lost opening night games they lost opening night when they won the championship in 2020 they lost the the, the first game after Kobe Bryant died they lost that game um they they've lo they lose get the when Kobe announced that he was retiring from the NBA they lost that game to the Pacers that night this is what this is what the Lakers do they they put on a big show and then they this is what they've done since since they won the championship back uh Kobe's fifth championship they just they they ring they reel you in for this greatness and then they end up letting you down because all Laker fans really want in the end is just to win and when you put up banners for half wins and then you just actually don't win on the court it, it's uh it's it's uh pretty annoying but um you know there's this they're still a, the winning team and in terms of a record and they're not a championship team but Lakers raise a banner, and it's the stupidest thing I've seen all season. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like LeBron's obviously the leader of that organization, and making such a big deal about it, and then trying to be like, no, nah, we we didn't really care, we it didn't matter. It's like that's just so classic LeBron to me, and so the fact that that trickles down is is obvious. And but yeah, that, I mean that's something where he he just he does that. He's done that his whole career. That's his game. That's his little shtick. Let me get talked about. Okay, now they're going to hate on me because I tried so hard or wanted that NBA Cup so bad. So now I'm not going to, you know, now I'm going to act like I didn't care about it. It's like, dude, just at that point, like it's from a fan perspective, it's better if you just own that and just say like, no, I really wanted to win it. It was the first one. Really wanted it. You know, yeah, it's not the banner that we're chasing, but we're proud of it. It's something that we accomplished as this team. And with this new group of guys, like, you know, anything that we can accomplish, great. And it's like, there's nothing 
wrong with you know making the case at using it as a building block but yeah to go 100 miles an hour about the nba cup to then just like nah whatever it's like dude you're just so phony you're so fake john morant's back in the league drops 34 on 12 of 24 shooting including the buzzer beater floater to beat the pelicans good or bad for the nba um i think he's i think he they'll work on getting him straightened out i think he's hopefully one of those guys that as he gets a little bit older he'll mature a little bit and just realize like hey i don't need to be doing this stuff on ig live i think at that point the nba wants a guy like john morant to to get it and to understand what it means being you know the face of a franchise and a star scorer in the league um but yeah i mean having him back's huge for the grizzlies because they did not have a good start to the season so if they want to have any sort of run he's gonna have to play well you know they don't really have a lot of time to waste now no, they don't. And, I mean, well, John Morant coming back, dropping 34 in his first game back, definitely shows he hasn't lost a step. Um, he's a fun guy to watch, fun player to watch. He's a highlight reel. He's good for he's good for clips. He's good for Friday night highlights. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's as long as he keeps uh, his uh, act in line, you know, I think uh, he, he'll be okay. Um, last thing, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up the show here. Um, Want to mention, it's bowl season, Brandon, and uh, you're 8-0. You wanna, do you want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, I'll, I'll pat my own back. I got no problem doing that. Uh, yeah, I've had an electric start to the bowl season um, in a couple different pickup competition or pickup competitions. Uh, pickup is a different story. I would not be eight and zero, but uh, bowl <laughs> pickup, I'm all there for. Uh, yeah, I had, had a good start. I have a uh, UTSA tonight, and they just forced another turnover, so that one's looking okay. A lot of time left in the fourth quarter. I will say one thing: this UTSA Marshall game. The hits and the intensity in this bowl game. Just like guys are John. Yeah, guys are John chirping. I mean, these teams really want it. And it's it's good because you know, you always hear the argument of it, there's too many bowl games and players don't really care. And I get that from the top tier programs of, you know, why would a why would a Georgia care about it? But for these schools, I mean Look. you got eight and four versus six and six, and these guys want it. I mean, that's that's what the the college athletics is all about and at that point and i know the games change with nil and all that stuff but it's like at the end of the day these that nil ridiculous money only impacts such a small percentage where you have most of the nation out here still just grinding and you got mccown's kid versus pennington's kid i mean it's it's a it's just a cool matchup i mean and he just just threw another interception so i guess the fumble got called back but he just threw another pick so uh yeah it's been fun but yeah i've been lights out so i'm assuming i'll fall back to reality in a really really harsh way but uh until then i'm gonna enjoy the winning no you know i think i mean how old do we gotta feel to see chad pennington's son and josh mccown's son uh playing in a bowl game while they're in the crowd supporting their sons i mean chad pennington's son cole looks just like chad pennington at marshall i mean it is crazy when i look at that tv screen and it's like whoa that's chad pennington and you know that's that's how genetics work but it's just super cool to see that i mean we grew up i remember chad pennington as 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 the jets quarterback um you know playing the chargers lt back in the day i remember some of those games and 
I mean, it's crazy. Now their kids are in college playing a bowl game. And to your point, love to see these college athletes getting after it a little bit. How many guys in the NFL do you see? And it's a small percentage that ends up making it from college to the NFL. But how many guys do you see from an absolutely nothing college end up balling out? Keaton Mitchell for the Ravens, I'm pretty sure he's from a mid, 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 mid major school. He is not from a top-notch school. And Keaton Mitchell's balling out for um, the, the Baltimore Ravens. I know he's on a downhill slump, but look at Austin. Eckler went to Western State um, and he ends up being one of the top running backs in the league for a handful of years. It really, it's it's nice to see these guys as UTSA scores another touchdown. It's really nice to see these guys go, get after a little bit, show some emphasis, show some fight in a bowl game because in the end, it, it's, a, it's a last game for a lot of these guys, uh, whether they like it or not. And to go out on top, it's the rare opportunity in sports where you can complete your season winning the last game um and 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 actually feel that and so these guys it means something to them but UTSA running away with this one Brandon you're about to be nine and zero um and this isn't just on on, on money line picks be well this is this is on the spread um have you have you placed have you copied your bowl pickums at all in terms of uh, actual wages or or is this just kind of you know because you could be rich I mean we could just call it go to go to Cabo right now if you put all these wages on your nine and zero picks. I haven't tailed all of them, um, <laughs> which I'm now bummed out that I have, but or that I haven't. But yeah, I mean, I've I've taken a good handful of them, maybe like four or five. But because uh, yeah, there's there's some of those where you just kind of make the pick, like I got a feeling this or that way, and then it's like, well, when I actually have to put money down, I'm not loving it. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. I mean, who would have thought that you would have started nine and zero? So I'm, you know, at this point, my my pickums, I think I'm four and four. Um, you know, maybe five and four after this. So I'm pretty much a you know, shot out of this, uh, this situation, but either way, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm proud of you, be will. And I hope you stay hot here. I'm rooting you on, bud. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate everyone listening. Episode five, uh, just getting started here in the two guys talking podcast. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Apple podcast, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, all those, uh, app, app, Apple, uh, Apple podcasts, Amazon Music. Anywhere you listen to a podcast, you should be able to find us. So check it out today. Join in on the conversation. And, uh, you know, I w- would love to know what you guys' thoughts are about some of uh, some of our takes here today. But, again, really appreciate every single one of you. Uh, we'll catch you on the next show. Be well. Uh, stay hot with the bowl games, man. Absolutely. Till next time, buddy.